Girlfriends, episode number 203, Getting Ready for Jesus in Advent. Hello and welcome to Girlfriends. I'm Danielle Bean. I'm a wife and a mom, and I am on a mission to help you know your worth as a woman so you can find peace, balance, and joy in family living. This week, we are talking about those last minute details of Advent and how we can focus on Jesus. Let's get started. Hey, girlfriends, how are you? Thanks for being here. Thanks for showing up for this late Advent season episode of the Girlfriends Podcast. Are you going crazy yet? It's a crazy time of year. Everybody keeps saying it, you know, and it happens every year. And yet every year I feel like it's going to be different. This year is not going to be nuts. And I actually believe it. And then it winds up being nuts. So the spirit of today's episode is to meet you where you are, to meet you in whatever kind of Advent you've been having, whatever kind of Advent you've been hoping to have, whatever kind of Advent you've been disappointed to have, Whatever it is, whatever's going on in your Advent season this year, I want to meet you where you are and just encourage you that Jesus is coming anyway. Even if you didn't do all the things on your to-do list, even if you messed up with these very basic spiritual goals maybe that you set for yourself, Jesus is coming anyway. And sometimes I find a lot of kind of relief, maybe encouragement in the fact that Jesus is coming anyway, that we can know that, you know, in some of the crazy things that we're kind of preparing and trying to get everything in place or the emotional stress that we're dealing with or multiple obligations we have to friends and family and workplaces this time of year or the financial stress you might be suffering and the things you want to do, which are limited by what you can afford to do. In the middle of all of that, sometimes I find it very helpful to think December 25th is going to come and it's going to go, regardless of whether I do this thing, regardless of whether this, what seems like a very important thing happens or not, regardless of whether my, you know, friend is rude, or the school has this ridiculous expectation, or I fail to meet somebody's expectation for me, or I get disappointed, regardless, December 25th is going to come, and it's going to go. And more importantly than that, Jesus is coming. Of course, we celebrate the liturgical year to kind of commemorate and remember Christ's life here on earth. And this is where we are commemorating and remembering baby Jesus is coming. And so that's what I want to look at today is how we prepare for Advent and the ways in which it's similar to how we prepare for a baby coming, because we are. We are preparing for our Lord and our Savior. We are preparing for Christ's coming. We're preparing our hearts and our homes and our families to celebrate and commemorate this joyous event. And yet, in a lot of ways, the things we do and the things that stress us out are mirrored by the very human experience of expecting a baby, being pregnant, preparing for the arrival of a new little baby. And you might be pregnant, this Advent season. That might be part of what's going on with your stressors. I always really savored the Christmas seasons where I happened to be pregnant over the years. I'm not even going to try to do the math and figure out how many it was. Um, But I know more than once I found myself pregnant during the Advent season. And I really loved that. It was such a special thing to think about Mary pregnant with Jesus, traveling on the back of a donkey, imagining doing that with my pregnant self, right? Um, But just the ways in which our lives as women 
as wives, as mothers, are mirrored by the life of the Blessed Virgin Mary when she was preparing to welcome baby Jesus that first Christmas, that first Advent season. And I think it's really helpful because it can simplify what we're focused on. It can help us to gain new perspective if we focus on how Mary prepared for baby Jesus and how we prepare for a new little person in our lives, how we prepare during pregnancy, especially during late pregnancy, which, you know what, at this point in the Advent season, it's late pregnancy. (laughs) Christmas is coming, right? Um, We're feeling that time crunch. We're feeling rushed. We're feeling stressed for time. We're feeling like we have too many to-dos and not enough time in which to do them. But let's look at that. Let's look at the fact that, first of all, if you're running around frenzied, feeling stressed most days, going to bed exhausted each night, but not being able to sleep, lying awake with worry about this, that, and the other thing that didn't get done, or how you're ever going to pay for that thing that you want to do, whatever it is, that's no way to prepare for a baby. That's no way to prepare for Jesus's coming. Let's focus on that first. Let's simplify what we're focused on. And there are three different points I want to make with regard to how we can prepare for baby Jesus's coming that are similar to the ways in which we prepare for when a baby comes. So the first one is we clean. Now, if you've ever been pregnant, you know this, but even if you've never been pregnant, this is something, this is a reality of the human experience that I'm sure you can understand and relate to. That idea of the nesting syndrome in late pregnancy that kind of kicks in. And it does in various ways and sometimes not very helpful ways. I know that I would sometimes get super focused on organizing like a spice cabinet or, you know, something stupid like that before a baby comes. Um, Or, you know, you you do things like prepare food and put it in the freezer or, you know, try to make sure that all of your baseboards are wiped down or, you know, like the baby's going to notice if your ceiling fan is dusty or not, right? But we kind of get focused on these ways of cleaning the environment in preparation for the baby to come. And now this has a very practical aspect to it where, yes, you want to be bringing your new baby into a clean place, a place that's prepared for him or her, you know, a crib, having that in place or having the bouncy seat or the swing or, you know, making sure you have a sling for the baby or clothing for the baby and diapers and whatnot. All of that's very practical. But I remember when I was first ever pregnant, I remember an old lady telling me once, don't believe the nonsense that you you have to, you know, scrub out your refrigerator and all of that. But at the same time, I wanted to, right? I remember feeling that urge. And we have that same urge. You don't have to bleach or boil or anything in preparation for the Christmas season. But it is kind of a nice idea to declutter your home, first of all, in a physical way, right? Where you might get rid of some toys that your kids have because you're anticipating they're going to be getting new toys at Christmas time. You might do a deep clean of um, clothing closets or bedroom closets or toy boxes or the play area of your home. Do a deep clean of an area of your home where you're expecting new appliances maybe that, you know, that's part of what you're planning for Christmas gifts. Clean out your kitchen, prepare for that. Clean out your refrigerator, prepare for the special meals and different kinds of foods you're going to be preparing over the next uh, few weeks. That sort of thing. In a physical way, it makes sense to clean. Um, But I like the way in which that physical act of cleaning can mirror the spiritual act of cleaning ourselves out, getting rid of stuff. Now, what can you get rid of, spiritually speaking? Anger that you might be holding on to, withholding forgiveness from somebody in your family. Christmas is a wonderful time of year to consider letting go of resentment over past hurts and wounds. It's a great idea to consider giving up 
something like the resentment you're holding on to, the anger you're holding on to, the resentment over something very, you know, unjust that happened to you. Even if you're not going to go and hunt down the people who did these things to you that you're angry about in your past or still wounded about from your past and tell them that you're forgiving them, do it in your own heart. Give yourself that gift of letting go. Give yourself the gift of letting go of a stubborn grudge that you've been holding on to, perhaps with an extended family member that you're going to be seeing over Christmas time, someone perhaps that you're dreading seeing because of past conflicts, because of resentment that's built up over past negative interactions. This is a wonderful time of year to consider letting go of that stuff. That doesn't mean denying that you're hurt, denying that something unjust happened, denying that somebody did something wrong. It means giving yourself the gift of letting go of the resentment that you are holding on to that is hurting you more than it's hurting them. Think of somebody that you need to forgive. It might be as close as somebody as your own husband. It might be a sister that you haven't spoken to in a while. It might be your own mom, your mother-in-law, or a distant relative, or a friend that you've become estranged from because of something that happened in the past. Here's an opportunity. We've got the new year coming up right around the corner. Why not start it fresh? Why not go into the Christmas season with peace in your heart, a renewed sense of peace and joy that comes from letting go of past hurts, past resentments, things that it's not necessary for you to be holding on to anymore that are hurting you more than it's hurting them. Consider coming clean in that way. Then also, we need to ask for forgiveness. Many of us are holding on to things that we did that were wrong, that we have guilt and shame about that we're not bringing forward, whether to the people that we've hurt or to God himself. We're we're trying to hide it away. This is a wonderful time of year during Advent to get yourself to confession. If you've been putting off going to confession, Advent is a beautiful time of year. Prepare your heart for the coming of baby Jesus by going to confession and receiving the forgiveness that he wants to give you there. Receive the mercy that God wants to give you through the sacrament of confession. It's made for that. It's built for that. Take advantage of that beautiful gift of grace that God wants to give you inside the sacrament of confession. So if you've been avoiding going to confession for whatever reason, I get it. I know. I do it too. Sometimes, especially when I most need to go, that's when I will believe the lie that I can't go. I'm too busy to go. I'm too embarrassed to say that thing. I don't want to fully admit to myself what I've done, what I'm carrying around with me. But let me tell you, avoiding confession is hurting yourself in the long run. Avoiding confession because of any level of guilt or shame that you are feeling is hurting you. And you don't want to do that. Give yourself the gift of preparing your heart and your soul to receive baby Jesus by coming clean through the sacrament of confession, through receiving the gift of grace and forgiveness and mercy and love that Jesus is waiting there to pour out upon you. Give yourself that gift this Advent season. Get yourself to confession, but also consider going and saying sorry to somebody that you need to say sorry to. Maybe somebody from a long time ago, maybe somebody you think they absolutely don't remember that thing that I did, that thing that I said that I shouldn't have. Maybe they do. Even if they don't, you remember it. Go and say you're sorry. I remember somebody once apologizing to me for something that they said that was thoughtless and hurtful many, many years prior to when they actually apologized for it. And it wasn't even somebody I was very close to, but I didn't even remember the original incident. But you know what? That person really rose in my esteem that day because they apologized. They said sorry. 
They wanted to make things right with me. And I so appreciated that. And I had long ago forgotten the incident itself. But the fact that they were sorry for something that happened that long ago and wanted to come to me and say sorry really was very meaningful to me. So even if you think the person's not going to remember, if there's somebody you need to go to and say you're sorry and ask forgiveness, do it. Even if they're not ready to forgive you, give yourself that gift. Give them that gift of letting them know you're sorry beginning that process of healing. Even if they are never going to offer you the gift of forgiveness, God offers you the gift of forgiveness, but you need to try to make things right with that person in the first place. So if you need to say sorry to somebody, and it might be as simple as somebody you need to say sorry to, one of your kids you snapped at this morning going out the door, or saying you're sorry to your husband for that thoughtless thing you did, or, you know, a friend or a girlfriend, or, you know, we all do things that we regret. This is part of the human experience. Also part of the human experience needs to be apologizing, owning what you did that was wrong. And sometimes we avoid it because of our pride, right? We don't want to admit that we were wrong. And we avoid it because the other person did something wrong too, right? I know I do this sometimes where I'm like, okay, I can imagine. Yes, I did say or do this thing I shouldn't have. I should apologize for it how much I do this inside of my marriage. Uh, Dan could tell you for sure. Um, but anyway, you know, thinking it through in my head, I'm like, okay, I need to apologize because I did that. I said that. I need to say I'm sorry for that. And then I'll be even, you know, as I'm going to apologize, some part of me wants to stop me and say, yeah, but then he did this and he said that. And maybe he's not going to apologize for those things. And then I'm the only one who apologized and that's not right and that's not fair. Do you know who is encouraging that line of thinking? It is not Jesus Christ who offers mercy and love without condition. No, it is the evil one. It is Satan himself who is tempting you in that way to keep you from the kind of spiritual growth, the kind of connection that you can renew, the kind of bonding that you can experience, the kind of love and mercy and forgiveness that you can experience inside of your human relationship with that other person. That's who wants to get in the way of that. And yeah, maybe the other person isn't going to apologize. Maybe they did something even more wrong than what you did. That's none of your business. I mean, it is your business in a way, if you're the one who's wronged. But what I'm saying is you're not in charge of that. You're not in control of that. What you are in control of is owning what you did that was wrong and saying you're sorry. So give yourself that. Come clean in that way this Advent season as part of your preparation for the baby. This is your nesting. This is your nesting cleaning your own heart and soul and spiritually coming clean in a way that can be deeply meaningful and then really add to your experience of the joyous celebration of Christmas, really add to your experience of welcoming the infant Jesus into your heart and soul this Christmas season. So really consider ways in which you can clean. Okay, next, I want to encourage you to choose this end of Advent, going into Christmas season. Now, I mentioned the old lady who told me I didn't need to clean. She also told me I didn't need to buy a single thing for a baby arriving. <laughs> and now, if you ever subscribe to baby magazines of any kind, parenting magazines, you will see the lists and lists of stuff that they call, you know, baby essentials, right? And I know I see this now that I'm beyond the baby years, but I'll see young parents on Facebook or whatever who are saying like, what do I really need? before this baby comes. And I remember that lady telling me her babies slept in a dresser drawer. I'm not kidding. <laughs> she was old school, all right. In a dresser drawer with a blanket. And she was like, "Don't you don't need a crib. You don't need to buy anything for a baby coming. Well, that's not entirely true. I mean, for sure. <laughs> I mean, people had babies for centuries before, you know, those, those little seats were invented or whatever. But 
There was a certain level of stuff that you're probably going to want for the arrival of a baby. And so also, too, at Christmas time, though, there's a certain amount of stuff that we want to buy. Not necessarily that we need to buy, right? I know you've got your list. You've got your gift list. You've got your stuff for decorations. You've got the things you want to do for parties and whatnot. All of the stuff, right? We need to be discerning, though, about what we're choosing to spend our money on, what we're choosing to spend our time on. So I want to encourage you this Christmas season to, as you're going through, and I sometimes fall into this temptation of just really wanting to cross off my gift lists, like wanting this shopping thing to be done. And, you know, if you're shopping for your kids and extended family and whatnot, lists can be really long and it can feel daunting and it will feel so good to be done that you can sometimes be tempted to even just buy junk or gizmos or useless things or stuff that you're not sure anybody's even going to appreciate just to be able to cross it off your list. Well, I want to encourage you to be discerning about that this Christmas season, this end of Advent as you're looking to cross things off your list. Be discerning about what you're going to buy even for decorations, you know, sometimes I'll run into the most beautiful thing. This happened to me just the other day in Home Goods. Oh, how I love Home Goods. It's so beautiful in Home Goods, all the stuff they have, right? And stuff for holidays. But I'm such a sucker for like picking up this beautiful thing, whatever it is a throw pillow, a little glass reindeer that lights up, or, you know, whatever it is. And I can picture how beautiful it is and how inspiring it is and how wonderful it will be to celebrate the holidays with this beautiful thing in my home. And then I will remind myself, what will happen if I don't buy this thing? Absolutely nothing. I will forget even exists within five minutes of walking out of this store and I won't have spent the money on this thing that will be cluttering up my home and, you know, my space. So, I want to encourage you, not that it's bad to buy Christmas decorations, and for sure, I have Christmas decorations, and I'm sure I'll buy many more, but, you know, be discerning about it. Ask yourself those questions, um, you know, especially toward the end of the season when we're all feeling a little frazzled <laughs> and a little punch drunk as we're going into stores, right? Be discerning about what you're going to buy. Ask yourself, like, what things do I actually need to buy, and are they going to make our Christmas celebration more meaningful or not? Is this really going to add to our Christmas celebrations in a meaningful way? Are they going to draw us toward instead of away from Christ? Be discerning about what things you're going to choose to buy. But also, I want to encourage you when you're choosing is to choose what you're going to spend your time on, what you're going to invest your time on, especially on Christmas Day itself, on Christmas Eve. There's there's so many people and things that are vying for our time and attention. But what can you do what things can you choose to spend your time on that will drive you toward instead of away from Christ? How are you going to make Christmas Mass truly the center of your celebration? And now I get it. There's family that expects certain things of you. There's all kinds of obligations that you have that are outside of Christmas Mass. But how can you make that stand out to you and your kids? In what ways can you do that? For us, for years, it's been going to Midnight Mass. I know Midnight Mass is not for everybody, but I happen to love it. I think it's such a beautiful liturgy, and I really love going. And we started going even when our kids were very small. We would put them to bed on Christmas Eve and then wake them up a few hours later, bundle them into their Christmas outfits, pajamas for the baby, didn't matter, put them in a blanket and bring them along. And we would drive through the night and bring them to the church, and they would just be in awe was such a beautiful thing. And I found that was really a way to kind of cement in their little minds and hearts that this was a beautiful thing that was going on and baby Jesus was born and this was what we were celebrating. 
and it was such an, a momentous event that we were getting up in the middle of the night and going to the church to celebrate it. I absolutely loved that when the kids were little. And I still love doing it, even now that my kids are older. And yes, Christmas <laughs> Midnight Mass is not necessarily for everybody. If you're getting up early the next morning and going to grandma's house, probably not the best choice for you. Um, so we started going to Midnight Mass years ago when we kind of first made that transition to spending Christmas Day at home. Prior to that, we would go to different you know, family events on Christmas Day. But at some point, our family became large enough that we thought, it doesn't really make sense for us to try to do Christmas at home in the morning and then get everybody out to all these different places and hit all these other places. You know, we would meet up with family and friends and other relatives throughout the Christmas season, and we found ways of doing that that were meaningful. But on Christmas Day, at some point, it kind of made sense for us to stay home. And this might be the year that that makes sense for you. But anyway, I'm mentioning Christmas Mass, but it doesn't have to be Midnight Mass. It could be another way that you're making Christmas Mass really stand out as kind of the highlight or the beginning of your celebration in a way that's really meaningful. Also, you can say no to things. You can say no to things leading up to Christmas and after Christmas, during Christmas break and whatnot. It's okay to say no to things, even things you've always done, right? air quotes around always, because you haven't always done them. <laughs> okay, at some point, these traditions started, and at some point, it's okay to take a break from them, and it's okay if they just go away altogether. It doesn't change that it was a lovely thing you did. It just means it doesn't fit our home, our family, the way that we're celebrating right now. You need to be discerning about what you're going to do. So choose what you're going to spend your money on, but then choose what you're going to spend your time on. All right, the last thing I want to mention for a way to prepare for the baby is to savor. Savor the moment. Savor right now. Savor whatever it is you're doing. And I know this puts a certain level of pressure, especially on us moms, where it's like, enjoy every moment. Savor every moment, especially through the holidays, especially when your kids are little. Well, not every moment is savorable. <laughs> we know this, right? Some moments are just nuts. Some moments are crazy. Some moments you are miserable and tired and you just need to go to bed and get a fresh perspective on the whole thing the next morning. And never is that more true than during the days and weeks leading up to the Christmas celebration. So, Allow yourself that, okay? That not every moment is there for you to savor. And don't give yourself pressure and guilt about not savoring and enjoying every moment because some of it's hard. It's okay to admit that. But there's something special about the waiting when you're expecting a new baby. And I know I, for sure, with every one of my pregnancies, was always trying to make an effort to enjoy the fact, like, you know, you're so eager and sometimes you're so tired and, you know, pregnancy goes on so long and you're suffering in different ways because the baby's on the inside, right? That it's natural to be like, okay, I just can't wait for this baby to be on the outside. But there's something very special about the time when that baby is on the inside. There's something very special about that waiting, that time of waiting. And Advent is a very special time of waiting. So I want to encourage you to take a moment and just savor the waiting, in some way, whatever way you can do that. Advent has a certain quiet joy to it if you will look for it, if you will cultivate it, if you will foster that in your schedule, in your home, in your family. There's beautiful lights everywhere. I, I, I'm sure you have a beautiful tree in your home that you can just turn on the lights and make sure there's a clean, quiet spot where you can sit and just savor this waiting, this time of waiting, this joyful anticipation of what is to come. What a beautiful thing that is. What a beautiful thing it is when um, you're physically pregnant, but what a beautiful thing to do anticipating the birth of baby Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Find some quiet prayer time where you can just savor this act 
of waiting for Jesus' coming. You can do this as a family, for sure. Light the candles on the Advent wreath, add a little quiet prayer time to your evening, or even to just one afternoon when you find you know the time to do it. But take some time to really enjoy this waiting, the beauty of the season, the peace of the season, and savor it. So those are my tips for preparing for the coming of baby Jesus this Advent season. My thoughts about how you can get ready for Jesus in Advent that are similar to the ways in which we prepare for the coming of a new baby. First, clean. Clean your stuff, but clean your soul. Second, choose. Be discerning about how you're going to spend your money, how you're going to spend your time. And then third, savor. Savor the moments where you can really enjoy the peace and the quiet, beautiful anticipation of the gifts that are to come. You might have some thoughts to share on this or other topics that you'd like for me to take up here on Girlfriends. You know I love hearing from you and you'd know how to contact me. You can contact me, Danielle at DanielleBean.com or connect with me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. I'm Danielle Bean on all the social media platforms. I would love to hear from you. Don't go anywhere. We're going to take a quick break and be right back with more Girlfriends. Wouldn't it be nice to have a Bible that actually explains how to navigate it and make sense of it? A Bible that includes a detailed plan for how to read it with a page layout that's designed for study and personal devotion? Now for the first time ever, there is a Catholic Bible that does just that. A Bible that incorporates the same color-coded learning system that has proven so effective in the Great Adventure studies. I have had the privilege of working with some of the most talented biblical scholars of our day, Mary Healy, Andrew Swafford, and Peter Williamson, to create the Great Adventure Catholic Bible. This Bible makes the complex simple as it guides you through the narrative woven throughout salvation history. The translation is the Revised Standard Version, Second Catholic Edition, an elegant, accurate, and modern Catholic translation. The Great Adventure Catholic Bible is perfect for your personal devotion and Bible study, or as a gift for friends and family. If you want to understand sacred scripture and be transformed by the Word of God, then this is the Bible for you. Pick up your copy at ascensionpress.com. Welcome back. Now we're at the point in the podcast where I like to share some listener feedback. And this week, I appropriately heard from a listener. She wants to remain anonymous, so I'm not going to use her real name. Um, Let's see. Let's call her Emily. Okay, so Emily says, Dear Danielle, I love listening to your podcast. It has helped me to better understand my role as a mom and a Catholic woman. I need help, and I was hoping to reach out to you and fellow girlfriends community in a more anonymous way, so I'm not posting this on the Facebook group. Can we talk about holidays? They are so stressful mainly where we are going to be. To explain, I grew up in a really tight-knit family. We all live close to one another. Now my family and I live about two hours away. On my husband's side, only his mom and sister and family are 30 minutes away. His sister doesn't go anywhere for the holidays, so if you don't come to her house for the holiday, you won't see them until afterwards. I'm always torn as to where to go and what to do. In the last few years, many traditions on my family's side have changed due to family issues. This has also caused logistical nightmares. My mom gets so hung up about it, and I always tell her just to go where and with whom she wants to be with. It's now hard that we all have families and all our kids are different ages, mine being the youngest. Also, I feel like we sacrifice developing our own family traditions, going to someone else's home. 
eight years of marriage coming up and I still can't find a happy medium. I feel like I disappoint everyone with whatever decision we make. They tell me to do what's best for our family, but I still feel this way. What do you all do? Anyone in the same boat? Thank you for your listening ear and letting me rant. Well, I'm going to actually post this anonymously on the Girlfriends Facebook group. So I'm hopeful that Emily is going to get her answers there. But I thought I would share it here too, because um, ironically, this was already something that I've mentioned about in this uh, podcast. I've already talked about this idea of creating your own family traditions, and it's okay. And that's sort of a natural part of your family life as your kids get older, as your family grows, as your extended family grows. It makes more sense to have your own celebrations to some extent, rather than everybody descending upon grandma. And um, in our house, okay, my mother has uh, 43 grandchildren. So imagine if we all showed up, right? That would be insane. It would be insane. It's not possible. And so recognizing on whatever level it's not possible or it's not going to be fun or it's going to cause more stress than enjoyment, you know, recognize that. Recognize the seasons of your family life. And so, Emily, you mentioned feeling guilty even if people are telling you to do what's best for your family. I'm going to encourage you that maybe those people are telling you do what works best for your family and they are going to be secretly and silently relieved in their own families. If you don't come to the thing, (laughs) if you meet in some other way outside of, you know, December 25th or December 24th or whatever it is, you know, recognize that. You've got to let go of that guilt. And I don't know what your husband is like, but oftentimes husbands are a great help in this regard. They are a great help in keeping us grounded. They are a great help in speaking reason into our emotions Um, I find my husband's really very grounding in this way. Sometimes I can get all worked up and be like, and I feel like this about that. And this person said that, but I'm not sure if she said this because she really means it or because, you know, whatever. She said it. (laughs) They said, do what works for your family. Then I really want to encourage you to do what works for your family. And it probably doesn't mean doing all of the running around And it might mean alternating years. I know a lot of people do that. Go to your husband's family on one year. Go to your family on another year. Traditions are okay to change because life changes, circumstances changes, our abilities change, our families change, our needs and preferences change, our kids grow up, they have different kinds of needs and preferences. You've got to do what's going to be most meaningful to you and your family and stress you out, honestly, the least, because... Nobody's going to enjoy it if mom is stressed out. That's just a fact. Like it or not, we do set the tones in our homes and in our families. And if you are stressed out, if you are resentful, if you are exhausted, if you are on the brink through the entire so-called celebration, people are going to know that and they're going to feel it. And, you know, of course, you're going to feel it, but other people will too. There's a ripple effect. So know that. Ultimately, it's not going to be worth it. So consider making some changes in line with what makes sense for your family. I really encourage you to talk to your husband about it. Get his input, get his reasonable help with what you're struggling with, because I totally get it. You know, last note, I totally get it. I can understand all those feelings that you have and the stress and the feeling of obligation, the feeling of guilt, even when they said it's okay, wondering if it really is okay. I'm going to tell you, it's okay. You need to do this. You're only human and your family is growing and changing, and it's okay to make different decisions this year and in coming years based on those changes. So, Emily, I really want to encourage you to let go and have peace in celebrating in new ways, maybe beginning new traditions that are going to have even more meaning for you and your family. 
That's all we have time for this week, but I want to remind you that you can subscribe to the show notes for the Girlfriends podcast. If you listen to the podcast on the go and you hear me talk about, oh, this link will be in the show notes and you can check this out in the show notes, I'll add this information in the show notes and you're always thinking, okay, but I'm right in the middle of a run or I'm right in the middle of folding laundry or I'm driving in the car and I'm not going to the show notes right now. If you want access to all that information, readily at your fingertips in your inbox every week. You can text the word girlfriends to 33777 and be subscribed to the show notes for the Girlfriends podcast. Once you are subscribed once a week, you will get the show notes sent right to your inbox the minute a new episode is available. So again, text the word girlfriends to 33777, a new way that we can stay connected and be in touch. Thanks for doing it. Also, if you enjoy the Girlfriends podcast, I want to encourage you to share it, rate and review it at iTunes, or just share a link on social media, or let a friend know about it. We're always looking to grow our community of girlfriends here, and you are an important part of making that happen. Thank you for all the ways you encourage and support what we do here at Girlfriends. And mostly, I just want to thank you for being here. Thanks for being a part of this week's episode of the Girlfriends Podcast. I'm always grateful for your presence here. The fact that you show up and you listen is so very meaningful to me. I am grateful for you. And until next time, I hope you enjoy your day and God bless your week. Girlfriends is a collaboration between DanielleBean.com and Ascension, the leader in Catholic faith formation. 